Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into this BGN Radio special wildcard edition. I guess this is more like a mix of a Kiss and Solak show and Fireside Chess, but whatever you want to call it, I think you're going to love this episode if you love the X and O stuff we analyze here on Bleeding Green Nation because the guest I have today, Cody Alexander of MatchQuarters.com, is a real good one. We're talking next level stuff here, and he's going to help me understand how the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles can try to defend against some of the Bears' offensive schemes and concepts. We talk jet motion, we talk trips formations, we talk RPOs, all the stuff that the Bears love to run. We really dug into the details on this one, and I hope you enjoy. I know you will. But enough hype. Let's kick it over to that conversation right now. His name is Cody Alexander. He is the author of Cautious Aggression, Defending Modern Football, and his second book is named Hybrids, The Making of a Modern Defense. His website is matchquarters.com, and you can find him on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore a. Cody, it's a pleasure to have us with you today. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. Co- Cody, I mentioned the, the two books that you've written Take a moment and plug those books for the gentle listeners, because I know no less than a handful of smart football people personally that are reading them right now. Well, Cautious Aggression is really kind of my story of how I got into the business, uh, primarily getting my start at Baylor. And then I kind of go into how we decided to defend basically what I think is one of the greatest offensive minds of all time and in, in Art Bryles. I mean, his offenses have never been stopped. Basically, that's kind of my breakdown of how we go about creating a defensive structure to limit kind of spread offense. So the whole term of cautious aggression basically talks about how you do these minor little tweaks and kind of do a little bit of different things defensively to put a little bit of pressure on uh, an offense. And then hybrids is my second book. And it basically goes through the history of a mo- the modern defense. So I go, I kind of start at point A with Orange Barger and the 72 Dolphins. And I kind of end at where we are today, kind of looking into the future of what defense is going to look like. So it's not a book on history, but it's more of in the premise of we need to look back in order to go forward. I love that. Yeah. And I would definitely recommend those books to the listeners. And Cody, the reason that I wanted to speak with you today and get this out to our audience before this wildcard matchup between the Eagles and the Bears is uh, I had your work recommended to me by a friend of mine from the Scouting Academy who now works as a video scout for Sports Info Solutions. And that was right around the time that the Eagles were about to play the Los Angeles Rams, which happened to be right around the time that the NFL defenses started to show signs of understanding how to defend against the Rams, especially their motions, their jet motions. Now, 
The Eagles will see some jet motion concepts against the Bears as well. So in that regard to jet motion, what would you say is the main key to keeping your defense sound against these motions that so often pull defenses out of position? Yeah, the key really is to understand where the there there's always a leverage back. So if they're going to hand off to the jet motion, you've got to identify where the leverage back is. Who or do they have somebody that can be a lead blocker for the jet motion? Most times teams are not going to hand off a jet motion without a lead block um, unless you're just completely unsound uh, and you're totally overloaded and you don't react to the jet motion. That's usually when you're going to see it. Um, You watch a team like Clemson who uses a ton of jet motion. Most of the time they're not handing that off. What they're trying to do is get the linebackers to step towards the the motion only to run away from it and and a lot of times teams will read off of your secondary leverage this is kind of those new things it's called an rro a run (laughs) run option instead of an rpo and what they're doing is they're reading the leverage of your secondary if you kind of spin towards the jet motion they'll just run away if you kind of overload to one side and you don't react to the jet motion then they'll hand off to the jet motion and so being able to do that is is something that's kind of added towards the in this modern offense that we see it's funny because to your first point you saw the rams they didn't hand off the jet motion so much but after three weeks of teams just like not respecting as much you saw them i think it was against the cardinals i think they handed it off like seven times so they really made it a focus to be like hey this is a thing this is a dangerous thing we can do so the one thing that i really wanted to focus on for the show for the bears especially was their RPOs, and they'll run them over and over on you if you let them. They're really useful for getting quarterback Mitch Trubisky some easy reads where he has one conflict defender guiding his decision-making, at least to some quick throws, and really helps the offense get into a rhythm. Now, I watched a clinic of yours, and I included this in the article I did for PleadingGreenNation.com, but I wanted to make sure that I processed the advice that you gave correctly. So if we can go over these, number one, was eliminate RPOs by alignment. That's a big one for me because you're going to see a lot of the Bears shotgun runs uh, at the very least tagged with a bubble. How do you eliminate that bubble or at least put yourself in a position to create a vice tackle situation where you've got an outside and inside angle on the bubble receiver? So the first thing you have to do, and, and most good defensive coordinators will will understand, you have to have an overhang on either side of the box and you have to be able to manipulate your cover downs. And all a cover down is, is how close is that over hang to the slot receiver what you want to do really pre-snap is eliminate as many rpos as you possibly can don't give them numbers on the edge of the box if you load the box of course they're going to throw the bubble and and the deal is is everybody says okay i'll just go cover one and then now you don't have any bubbles well any offense especially at the higher levels they're working on cover one beaters. They 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 will see right. you get in cover one, and they'll just change it from a bubble to a slant route, and now you have a high completion throw, and it's basically uh, man on man. It's my guy versus yours. At the NFL level, the thing is, is your slot corner usually is not your number one corner, depending on who that slot receiver is. So you're looking at something where that's an easy throw for a quarterback to make, and that's an easy adjustment. So you can't just always assume – Let's go to man. I think that what what I found is that if you if you use your cover downs and you maximize and do some different things with the secondary to be even, then you then you really have an opportunity to eliminate that and, and force them to go back into the box. So number two is 
force the weakest runner to carry the ball. That kind of goes with me hand in hand with number one, and I think with number three, which is using triple option principles as a defense. Is that accurate that they they really are tied together, those three? Yeah. A lot of times, a good offensive coordinator will understand how the structure of your defensive line and really your front seven will dictate who's going to get the ball. What you can do is set your front and teach your teach your linemen in a different way to manipulate who's got the dive, which would be if let's say we're talking about a simple zone read. Okay, so the dive player would obviously take the zone and then the quarterback player would obviously have the quarterback. And then obviously you need a pitch player, which is usually your overhang and they're in charge of the bubble. So you got to have three parts of that and being able to manipulate that in order to either keep it contained in the box and make it really predictable by always having somebody take that quarterback so he never pulls it or forcing the quarterback to run the ball every time. And in the NFL, if you can do that and you make because they're not going to want to run Mitch Trubisky, you know, 10, 15 times during a game. So that's interesting too because if if you know who you're going to force to keep the ball in that situation, even though you're allocating resources away from that, does that make you more sound against that player carrying the ball? Right. So if you always have somebody for the running back, you always have somebody for the quarterback, and you always have somebody for the pitch, then you're going to be okay. You know, I've I, I've talked about this several times. When I went and visited the Broncos after RG3 had his big year, uh, you had had Kaepernick killing everybody with basically just regular zone read. You had Russell Wilson doing it as well. You know, we're sitting here talking to John Fox and and, uh, Del Rio about, okay, what do we do to stop the zone read? Well, in the NFL, this is something that, that most people probably don't know. In the NFL, you don't have running quarterbacks. It, it hasn't traditionally been that way. So you have these NFL defenses that are based on basically defending 10 people. And you know, the quarterback is not somebody that's in that read. And so what you see is like with Dak, Dak Prescott you know, and Russell Wilson and some of these other quarterbacks, these younger quarterbacks now that we're seeing like Trubisky, is that there's nobody accounted for, accounting for the running back in the run fit. So you see these plays and these uh, these quarterbacks are running wide open. You're like, how – how are these guys so wide open in, in the run game? And that's really what it is. Is so kind of these defensive coordinators that have been used to never defending a quarterback run are now having to kind of adjust how they do their defense and go back to these old option rules that they probably haven't had to use since they were in high school. So going to the the five commandments again here, number four, number five. Uh, works together well for me because number four is stay even. You've already alluded to that. Number five is don't be overly aggressive. Now, why they work together for me is because you aren't trying to tip off an offense pre-snap to what's going to be available post-snap. And if you're going to be aggressive with, say, a five-man blitz, you have to know how the offense is going to counter so you can react to that. You want to dictate to them what the read is going to be so you can be in a better position to react to it. We've already kind of talked about that. But it's really either give them nothing to go off of, present a very neutral picture, or force them into the read that you want because you're presenting a more aggressive picture. Am I understanding that correctly or am I kind of lost in the sauce there? You've got it right. So, for instance, staying even just means you got to make sure that you have a ho- overhang on either side of the box, that you have some kind of a quarterback player, you have a running back player, 
player and you have for the for the pitch or the RPO. What number right. five basically is saying don't get overly aggressive. Talk to anybody that defends the the flex bone or the triple option, like what you see <laughs> at Army and Navy. They will tell you the first thing that you can't do is you can't send the you can't send a house blitz. If you do mm-hmm. that, you're you're going to get beat. And the other thing too is now now let's modernize that and let's go with with the regular spread offenses that we have with these RPOs. If you're going to vacate the middle of the field, which is usually what happens when you blitz, you've been essentially done is you've opened up now for them to just run slant routes or snag routes underneath of your coverage and get those guys running. Um, that's one of the big takeaways that I took when I listened to Kirby Smart, who talked at Texas High School has this big coaching convention right before the season gets started. And he and they always have some big time college coach come and he he talked about how that was one of the problems with hit with his rip list scheme that he learned from Saban was that when you vacate the middle of the field and you have outside leverage on the outside, all these teams are going to do now is start running these slant routes. You don't have to run a bubble route to make it an RPO. And so when you get overly aggressive against these teams, they're just going to hit you where you're not. And they're, they, and anymore, they're just telling receivers run to open space. The quarterback will find you. Yeah. You are seeing a lot of that. So let, let's shift the, uh, let's shift the discussion to trips alignments. Cause there's some of those RPOs working from trips that the bears like to do, because you're going to see a lot of three by one sets from the bears. Not unlike the Eagles, it'll look very familiar to Eagles fans as far as formationally. Now who the personnel is really doesn't matter here for our purposes. Cause we, know the Bears are going to use tight end Trey Burton and running back Tariq Cohen at different spots. But I want to kind of nail down the pros and cons of different defenses the Eagles will likely deploy against these sets. For instance, we know the Jim Schwartz defense is a heavy middle of the field close defense and cover three is a common defense against trips for this team. What's the upside? What's the downside of your traditional basic cover three against trips? Well, the problem with trips is is really where you're going to bring somebody down. So if you bring the backside safety into the box, what you've done is you've put a safety into the box. In the NFL, that's usually okay. But what you've now done is you put a linebacker on a tight end because most of the times they're going to put the tight end at the number three receiver. So now you're looking at, okay, can my linebacker, basically line up and match what that tight end is doing and in the nfl what you're seeing is a lot of these tight ends are much more athletic than these these linebackers so you say okay well then we'll go small at that linebacker spot and once you go small now you basically have two safety type players and you a little you basically have a four one box in terms of i've got four linemen or i've got and i've got a line one linebacker and so now that now they've got the run game open to you. Um, yeah, you're not going to have the snag routes. You're not going to have some certain things. But, you know, I saw this play. Texas ran this against Georgia. They spun down in their typical rip Liz, which is match three, and they ran all slants. Well, all slant ended up being almost like an underneath screen. You saw little Jordan Humphreys get mm. hit on it early in the game. What you've essentially done is by doing that is you've made a bunch of one-on-one and kind of a high safety who now has to play in the alley. You've also opened yourself up on the back side, depending on what they do at the back, you know, the, the Bears, have, who's great out of the backfield, you know, they set them weak. Now you, now you've got a single high safety. The corner is going to have to take the wide receiver and you can easily manipulate that and get a linebacker on a running back, which Cohen's basically killed most linebackers trying to cover him all, all year. So trips coverage is kind of one of those deals where Anything underneath, it's going to help if you're doing a bunch of crossing routes. But in terms of when you play a team that can RPO you and do some different things, created a bunch of man, man-to-man matchups. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing with the with the trips, you, you get that backside YISO with the Bears. It's a lot of Allen Robinson. It's a lot of Trey Burton. So you have some different challenges. You've got the the tight end at the number three position on the trip side, who a lot of times that linebacker is going to have to carry vertically as well and is also, you know, peaking in the run game and all that. And you've also got the backside YISO where it can be single coverage. And if you play off, the Bears are going to run curls on you. If you play inside leverage, they're going to run the speed out. What do you do to help that backside cornerback defend that tight end or Allen Robinson or Trey Burton in this case uh, without getting killed and eaten up by it all day because they'll they'll pick you apart and then they'll set up a deep shot they'll set up a scissors concept something like that so they really try to bring you in and then hit you with the shot yeah so the the key to that is really to to find some too high coverages most teams are not going to run four verticals and live in four verticals during the game, especially in the NFL. It puts your quarterback at such a disadvantage because uh, if they've got a good defensive line or you're, you drop back 20 times and all you're doing is running for uh, four verticals, it's like a three-point shot team. There, there's going to be times where you're, just gonna, you're not going to get it and you're going to get cold. Um, so what you've got to be able to do is be able to help your corner on the backside, especially with a running back when they set the back weak. You know, you're going to have to be able to find a way to kind of get that where the post wheel is really big when they when people set the back, the slant wheel, which is almost acts as a pick route anymore. You see mesh has come back this year primarily using that under route to go pick a linebacker and have that running back kind of go out on a wheel to nobody. And that's why you kind of have to find a way to set a safety to the backside uh, and, and play with that. So that way you kind of force them to go make it look like they need to go to the single receiver, but you've got two guys there. Uh, and really what you want in, in, in any good defense, you want plus numbers and pass distribution. You always want to have four over three to the trips and you always want to have three over two to the single receiver and the running back. So when you have three over two, I believe I saw something where, or you called it cheat, where you get that safety down to not only help coverage against that backside YISO, but you also give him the C gap and it, allow, it allows the edge, the end man on the line of scrimmage to play wider. Am I am I reading that correct? I'm kind of going off script, but am I, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in running an under front of trips. It allows you to kind of close the box on the weak side and it and it gives your Mike linebacker kind of a cover down. Now you can drop the boundary safety in. Uh, that's what a lot of teams do is you drop the boundary safety and you push the mic out to the trip side, but you're still minus one. But if you if you know your safety can handle the back a good way, but you're essentially in man coverage in that sense if you if you're gonna do that. But by setting the three and the five, if you're a four down team, by setting the three and the five to the weak side, what you've done is you've made that safety an alley player. And so he's got time to hold in coverage, what I call the post hole, which is what what a lot of teams try and hit they try and hit that post or that's that deep slant route right on the seam and by doing that you allow him to kind of hang in the post hole and then fit if there's any kind of run to the weak side I love that because with the Bears you are going to see some some high slants some posts some some pop passes as well so uh, speaking of trips again what what's the key to getting players to play fast to the ball against trips. I, I believe I've seen you make the argument that the alignment and post-snap movement and responsibilities of sky coverage work well to free players up. What's the what's the key to getting players to play fast to the ball against trips? Is it sky coverage? How does that work? Sky coverage, most people consider sky coverage as kind of like a safety invert. Um, it's it's really a, a man-match coverage. So um, most times the, you can either do it two-way with the corner. You can either lock the corner, which a lot of people refer that to 
Meg coverage, which is man everywhere he goes, or you can mod the corner, which is man on demand. So if he runs kind of like that mesh concept, if, if X runs underneath right now, that corner's just going to zone off and look for the wheel. Uh, and so what it does is it allows that safety now who's got inside lever leverage in mod coverage, it allows that safety to kind of cut any kind of under route and it allows that corner to zone off in, in case that you get uh, like a running back wheel or something like that. So any kind of zone coverage, even if you wanted to make it even like a, give a hard call to the corner, kind of beat up the, the receiver. And if the back releases, then you basically play cover two. any kind of thing like that. You can now manipulate the coverage post snap and they don't necessarily know what's coming. Just as a side note, you said that mod coverage and you talked about that mesh coming in the, where the cornerback can drop off and now the safety can come up and get it. I don't know if you saw Bears Vikings, but it looked like the Bears were using that kind of coverage on a couple of key plays. There was a third down and there was a fourth down where Adrian Amos came from a high safety alignment. They had that meshed look. They cut the one crosser to the field side and you just have Adrian Amos just flying upfield to get the other crosser. Did you see that by chance? Is that a, is that a common thing? Yeah, so that's a that's a common way of, of attacking mesh is kind of freeing up those uh, safeties. I teach that too when we play mesh safety. You know, the safeties have to communicate. If my guy goes underneath, then I've got to expect somebody else coming from the opposite side um, over the top. And so being able to cut the mesh like that is really a, a good way, especially from a too high scheme. You look like you're going to be in in deep coverage. And then as soon as that, that guy cuts in front of you, you, you expect, and then you cut the guy coming back. So yeah, that's a typical adjustment to that. Cody, any other advice for the Eagles as they try to defend this heavy RPO, heavy trips Bears team before we go? Yeah, I mean, the the really the biggest thing that you can't do is one, be too passive. You know, we talk about zone and, and things like that, but you can't just be sit back and just try and rally to everything. You've got to manipulate the read. You got to muddy what, what I call muddy the waters. So you can't just stay static and do the exact same thing every time. You can't just spin the trips every time. You can't just sit back and play coverage every time that you have to manipulate who's got who kind of switching and I think at the NFL level that's kind of what what you're seeing is making it look like cover three but it's really cover two or making it look like you're going to spin one really going to spin the other you know kind of making those post snap reads and really force Trubisky to find the guy to to figure out okay do we have box numbers make it look like you have a light box and then at the snap of the ball you're moving guys into the box to give a heavy uh, the heavy box look to so that they're they're running into the box I think that's the most important thing and and really when you play a really good RPO team you can't get too exotic uh, you can't do all these exotic blitzes and edge blitzes and loop you know you dot your eyes and you cross your t's I love it Cody thank you so much for joining me today I really appreciate all the insight can you remind the gentle listeners where they can find you on social media and where they can find all of your work yeah you can find uh, me on social media media my handle is at the underscore coach underscore a and then you can find both my books on amazon uh, cautious aggression uh, and hybrids uh, the making of a modern defense and then you can also get the links to my books and anything you really want to know about me at my website matchquarters.com excellent thank you cody thank you Hey everybody, how you doing? 
Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers.